Welcome to the Raising Boys and Girls podcast. I'm Sissy Goff. I'm David Thomas. And I'm Melissa Trevathan. And we're so glad you've set aside a few minutes to spend with us today. In each episode of this podcast, we'll share some of what we're learning in the work we do with kids and families on a daily basis at Daystar Counseling in Nashville, Tennessee. Our goal is to help you care for the kids in your life with a little more understanding, a little more practical help, and a whole lot of hope. So pull up a chair and join us on this journey from our little yellow house to yours. Carlos Whitaker is bringing hope to humans all over the world, and he's pretty good at it. He's an author, podcaster, and global speaker, backed by the power of a massive Insta Familia, his enthusiastic social followers who tune in daily to join forces with Carlos to find connection, do good, and be in community. When Carlos enters a room, he makes people feel seen. His superpower is creating spaces, online and in person, where people are safe to engage in conversation about the topics that matter most but are often avoided. His motto, don't stand on issues, walk with people. That's the professional stuff, but all day, every day, Carlos is a family man. He and his wife, Heather, live in Nashville, Tennessee with their three amazing children, where you can find them working on the family farm, planning trips around the world, and dancing to single ladies. Seriously, Google it. You can find more about Carlos at carloswhitaker.com. And we'll have links to all of his books, podcasts, and social media in the show notes. Do you know that you were, with Heather, the first guest we've ever interviewed for the podcast? Really? And you're the first guest to come on twice. No way. Oh, I feel so loved. We think you're amazing. Thank you. We do love you. And you're a dear friend of both of ours. Yes, it is true. When I saw this on my calendar on Monday, I just was like, okay, that's going to be a breath. Because this week's pretty crazy, and I'm just like, I just want to hang out with my friends. We're so glad to get to be So if that's what it feels like, listeners, if you feel like, wait, why are these people just talking about life? It's because we're friends, and we just want to catch up. That's right. With my dog coughing in the background. Mm -hmm. (laughs) On your lap. No, no, no. Yeah, she's right here. I can't even see this dog. It's so small. Well, a little different than yours. Smaller than my dog's left paw. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. (laughs) Carlos. I think it would be almost impossible for somebody to be near the two of us and not know about you because we're so crazy about you. But just yes. in case we've got some new listeners who aren't, yes, will you talk a little bit about who you are, mm. about the difference you are making in this world, and your family also? Tell us about those great yes. folks. Yes. My name is Carlos Enrique Huitiquel Guzman Cabello, which is what my mother called me wow. whenever I get in trouble as a kid. Seriously, if I heard her say six names, it was over. Game over. Um, you really have six names. Yeah, six of them on the birth certificate. Wow. Carlos Enrique Whitaker Guzman Chibol Cabello. There they wow. are. I'm going to quiz you at the end of this, both of you. Okay, <laughs> and we'll see where our relationship really, really stands. Whoa. I am almost 50, and we were just talking about this too. This year, this if you're listening to this in 2029, I'll be almost 60. But um, <laughs> as of as of this podcast episode, I live in Nashville, Tennessee, with my wife. And currently, still three children under my roof. My daughter, Sohaila, she's 20, Sayana is 19, and Losiah is 16. And, you know, I, it's so weird, David, when you, when you ask, or when people in general ask me what I do, because I'm like, maybe I don't even know, really. I feel like I'm a storyteller that maybe tells stories that help people lead them to freedom in some way, shape, or form. Mm. And I tell those stories via books, stages, but mostly my phone. Mostly mm-hmm. I'm looking at my phone, talking to 
a community that has kind of been built called the Insta Familia is what I call them. And um, it's not really a platform. It's more of like these people just like have rallied together to do good. I'm not necessarily the one doing good. I mean, I may do a little bit of good, but I pull people together to do good. And it's been a crazy 18 months of figuring out how to do that more and more. I have known you two for a long, long time. Long and time. Uh, and again, it just feels like a breath to come in here. Mm. You guys have poured into my kids. I'm not even going to start crying like this early in the morning, but uh, <laughs> it, it you've helped me and Heather as parents walk through some really hard things, mm. some difficult things. And every parent is going to walk through difficult things. And even if you don't live in Nashville or nowhere near Daystar, you can invite somebody else, another adult into your kids' lives. Yes. Uh, and so it's been really... Oh, it's just been amazing to have you in our lives and mm. my kids' lives. And all my kids, mm. without even us. Like, I can gush, but when my daughters gush over you, mm. oh, my gosh. I'm like, okay, it was worth it. Like, mm. this is awesome. So, anyway, you are loved by the Whitakers, and we're just grateful to be in your lives. So. Well, I love Lady Bird Taco, but maybe more <laughs> than the tacos, I love getting to see the girls. I know. When I go in there, it makes me so happy every single time. I know. I know. And, uh. you know, it's funny because... People know that they work at Ladybird because I put it on my Instagram all the time. So people go in there all the time and and they're and so Hayla's like, Dad, another Insta familia member came in <laughs> and they don't even have to tell me anymore. I can just tell by the way they look at me, like endearingly like my grandma. You know? <laughs> so I'm just like, no, but it's fun. It's fun. It's fun to go in there and uh, you know, I get to live in the same city as my daughters mm-hmm. who are young adults and they're working and they're it's awesome. I'm blessed. Mm. So cool. Really cool yeah. young adults. Yes, yes, really cool young adults. As is Lesai. Yeah. Yes. All three of them. Yeah. Okay. Well, you didn't talk about your books, but now you have a book oh, coming I out. Do. I do. Called, I'm going to read it so I get it right because I love the subtitle too. Okay. How to Human Three Ways to Share Life Beyond What Distracts, Divides, and Disconnects Us. Mm. We're so excited about this book. Yes, we are. And I think that's so much of who you are. You help us see our humanity and yeah. the humanity in others. Would love to hear you talk about how you got to the name, why you feel like it's particularly important in this day and time. Yeah. How to human. I think that it like initially grabs you. But when I first came up with that, I was like, well, I definitely can't be the teacher of this. Like, I don't need to be the model of this. You know, looking back the last three years of just life for everybody as we kind of collectively gone through global trauma (laughs) together. And I say in the book that I feel like we've all been knocked off course by some degree. Some of us half a percent, some of us 10%, some of us 5%. And I felt like I needed to write something that just reminds us, because it's all in us already, but just reminds us how it is to do this again, how it Mm. is to have relationships with people that because of difference of opinions now, maybe these relationships are damaged. And, you know, reminding people that these relationships that were so dear to us were not built on hot topic takes. So why would they Mm. end? on Hot Topic Takes, you know? And so just helping people realize the empathy and compassion that is inside of all of us. That's all the book is, you know, trying to help people do those three things, get past the things that distract, divide, and disconnect us. Mm -hmm. I'm very vulnerable in the book with a lot of my stories and a lot of how I did that. But I just know that as I travel, more and more people on whatever side of whatever issue it may be are just tired of hating each other they're like i'm just kind of done like can somebody not tell me to hate somebody else can somebody tell me how to be and how to human with somebody else and so i was like well i'll do it (laughs) so i wrote the book how to human and 
I think that what I've written is a, not a manual, but a guide. Literally anybody listening to this podcast right now, I think could grab onto some handlebars that maybe guide them to how to handle some of these situations in our lives that maybe we're not handling as well because we're so consumed with rage, mm. you know? So yeah, it's a little mm. bit about it. Rage and fear. Rage and like fear. Both. Yes. Yeah. And maybe the fear is fueling the rage. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I love the sections of the book are called B, C, and free. You can tell I'm a child of the 80s. I love that. <laughs> I like three points and I want them to run. I love it. Thank you. Thank I love you. it. And yeah. each of those are incredibly important to us. So the chapter titles include ideas like be human, be compassion, be justice, be wonder, see bias, see to serve, free loneliness, free indeed. So many great yeah. concepts. Will you tell us about just a few of your favorites? Oh, yes, of course. So B, B, C, and free. I think it's incredibly important that we understand who we are, who our identity is based in, not be ashamed of who we are. In order to get to the seeing piece, to see someone else, you got to understand you first. You have to see yourself first. So in the first section of the book, I use a lot of stories. One story in particular is when I grew up in the South, in Atlanta, Georgia. I was born in East LA, but an identity piece for me, of the being piece, was a part of me that I ignored for a long time. My mother is from Monterrey, Mexico, and my father is a black Panamanian from Colón, Panama. And when I moved to the South, when I was in kindergarten, or I can't remember how old, but pretty little, my dad looked at me. Now, this was in late 70s, early 80s, and I'll never forget the conversation, not because it was striking to me then, but now I, it obviously is. And he looked at me before my first day of school, and he said, Carlitos, when people ask you, where you're from or who you are, you say you're Mexican. And I remember being like, oh, okay, well, I'm Mexican. Didn't even think twice about it, right? Mm -hmm. But I still look like Gary Coleman. <laughs> you know, I still had my little Afro parted down the side and I still, that's what I look like. But I'm Mexican, right? And so I kind of go through elementary school, high school, really taking the black part of me out of the equation. Mm -hmm. Obviously through high school, I started realizing, well, my dad said that because he maybe assumed I had a choice and it would be not as difficult if I walk this path instead of this. Well, I grow up and you know, when I walk into a grocery store, I don't have a t-shirt on that says, hi, I'm Mexican. <laughs> you know, like my friends may have, because I told them that may have believed that, but I was still living the black experience myself as an adult and as a child, obviously. And so kind of pushed through 2016, 2020, and I realized that I'd done a disservice to who I am, my mm. identity. And there was a big chunk of who I was that I wasn't leaning into. So I began to lean into that in 2020. I began to teach and share some stories that I'd experienced as a black man in Nashville, Tennessee. And 99% of it has been amazing, but there's 1% of, there's mm. some racism that I've experienced that I wanted to share about. Mm. And this is what's so important about the B piece. When I began to share about that, I started to see some ugliness. I started to see some pushback on my socials. Mm. And even within some close friends of mine that kind of questioned like, well, wait a second, why do you keep saying you're black? Like you're Mexican. And these are people that know my dad, that mm. love my dad. Mm. So it even showed me that me leaving this part out of my story even affected like some relationships that I had, right? That I had to invite them into this part of my story of who I'm being in a, mm -hmm. as a human. So one of my best friends, he's like, D your dad's not black, he's from Panama. And my jaw kind of dropped because I realized just how 
a lot of people forget that there's black people that live all over the world. <laughs> there's not mm. black people just didn't come on a ship from Africa to America. They dropped them off in Italy. They dropped them off. There's blacks that speak Italian. And so when I began to unpack this for my friend, he just had this aha moment going like, oh my gosh, I guess I never thought about that. And I was like, yeah, like look at Cuba. There's a lot of black people in Cuba. Mm. They're Afro-Latinos. So I began to educate in this hopefully grace-filled way. But that was a piece for me. And I really unpack it a lot more in this in the book of me becoming more human because I was leaving out a big chunk of who I was and I was just kind of discovering. I did a DNA test around this time where, you know, you get your ancestry.com or whatever. And I'll just never forget getting it back and Heather handing me my results. It was like 78% Nigerian or something. And I was like, I'm like a Nigerian prince. Like I've got enough <laughs> DNA to like run for government. Wow. Like I was like, wow. And so like just seeing that for me was mm. like, holy cow, like I've tried to hide that mm. for the sake of my own safety and I'm not going to do that anymore. Mm. So so you that be- You shouldn't have to. Well, you shouldn't have to, right. you know? So in the book, I'm like, listen, if your grandma is from Italy and you're not making homemade pasta on a monthly basis, what are you doing? Like dig into that. Be proud of mm. who you are. Be proud of where you're from. If you see yourself, you're going to be able to see a lot of other people mm. a lot more clearly. So let me hop into see humans mm. now. Once I feel like we've got a handle on who we are, not only who God has made us, but who we are in Christ, because Jesus is the central theme of the book. I let people know, I've got a lot of people that aren't Christians that follow me, that I'm a Jesus-believing, Holy Spirit-filled Christian, but even if you don't believe Jesus was anything else than a historical figure, you can still get a lot out of his life. And so come on the journey. So he's kind of you know guiding us through the book, but the C piece is... I think the harder piece for most of us the last three years, turning and looking and seeing people that don't look like you, think like you, vote like you, love like you, believe like you, all of the things, it's hard. It's, mm -hmm. it's hard to do that. But I feel like we've got to do that even more on purpose now. That's where you know I have phrases like, don't stand on issues, walk with people. Mm -hmm. um, like I feel like that is a way to see people. And if we want to free somebody, you're going to have to get close. There has to be proximity. And that's a lot harder than seeing somebody mm -hmm. to get close enough to like touch the person. Now we got to keep getting closer and closer. And so, you know, in the book, I talk about the freeing piece, you know, how we can do this massively. The Insta Familia, we've raised like $2.3 million wow. on Venmo alone, wow. <laughs> you know, just to give to strangers, you know? And so nobody asks me before when I find somebody to give money to, no one, literally, I don't get one DM going, can you tell me who we voted for? Like, like mm. nobody's asking that because there's a human reflex inside of all of us to free people. It's mm. just in us. It's baked in us. And we just have to excavate it a little bit. So that freeing piece, but you can't free somebody unless you're close enough to touch somebody. Mm. And if we talk about being the hands and feet of Jesus, you can't be the hands and feet of Jesus unless you can reach out and touch them. Mm. But that's going to be the hardest part is getting that close. A lot of people will want to stand across the field from somebody and yell, Jesus loves you. I love you. I see you. And okay, that's a great first step. But we're not supposed to see people through binoculars. We need to see somebody like up close. I mean, have you ever used binoculars before? Like mm. if you see a bird in a tree, you pull some binoculars out. It takes a good minute to find it again, uh -huh. right? But, like like you true. can see it without the binoculars, but you want to see closer. Well, now I've got to look, look, and then I find it, but then it hops to another branch and then it takes another minute mm -hmm. to find it. It's like, you no, know, put the binoculars down mm -hmm. and go walk up to the person that you need to see. So mm -hmm. it's funny because the people that have read the book already were like, Carlos, I don't think I was expecting 
as much excavating in my soul and as much work as I have to do. Because mm. it could sound like a bumper sticker. Don't stand on issues. Walk with people. Be human. See humans for humans. But it takes work. Mm. <laughs> you know, it takes work. And so I'm just trying to help people with that work mm. is what it, what it really is. So, oh, makes yeah. me so excited to get a copy. Yeah. So Two. excited. Yes. David, I just hosted another bunkin' party at my house. Sissy, please explain to those living outside the state of Arkansas what that means. Well, in Arkansas, we don't call them sleepovers. We call them bunkin' parties, which I think is so much cuter than the term sleepover. It is. And when Henry came over, one of our projects was decorating the fun bottle Haya sent us to put his new vitamins in. He loved the stickers and now has his own bottle at my house. I love that. While most children's vitamins are filled with five grams of sugar and can contribute to a variety of health issues, Haya is made with zero sugar and zero gummy junk, yet it tastes great and is perfect for picky eaters. Formulated with the help of nutritional experts, Haya is pressed with a blend of 12 organic fruits and veggies, then supercharged with 15 essential vitamins and minerals, including vitamin D, B12, C, zinc, folate, and many others to help support immunity, energy, brain function, mood, concentration, teeth, bones, and more. We've worked out a special deal with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamin. Receive 50% off your first order. To claim this deal, you must go to HayaHealth.com slash RBG. This deal is not available on their regular website. Go to H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H dot com slash RBG and get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. Okay, so you said you like three things. I mean, there are a million things in this book, obviously, that are going to be so helpful for all of us. But if somebody could close it into the book yep. and get three main things. Ooh, what would you want the three things to be? Or yep. Three things to hear that you wanted to hear. I think I could summarize it as let's be more human and less opinion. Uh, I think a lot of people have turned into opinions. And I'm like, hey, what if we were less of an opinion and more of a human? I would love for people to move towards curiosity and away from judgment. Mm. And I think, again, my phrase, let's not stand on issues, walk with people. And I unpack it in the book that there are going to be people that you can't walk with. Okay. So like as fun as that phrase and easy as that phrase is to be, there's some people that I remember in my life that I've tried to walk with, but are very dehumanizing to others, to myself. And I gave my attempt, but for my own soul and my own mental health, I've got to build some boundaries. So this isn't like, yes, everybody, like I'm not going to go find the local KKK chapter and walk into their next rally and be like, hey guys, I'm Carlos. Like I've got to protect who I am. But that being said, there are people that we're not walking with that we can walk with. I tell the story of Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch in the book and how Philip was called by God. who He got woken up by an angel told to go to the road that goes to Gaza. And there he saw an Ethiopian in a chariot. Philip was nothing like this Ethiopian. This Ethiopian was a black castrated man that was riding in luxury. These are three things that weren't anything like Philip, but the spirit told Philip to not only go to the road and see him, but to go up to the chariot. And that's where we get so nervous, right? But then it gets even harder. Then the Ethiopian invited him into the chariot and that's the hardest part. We have to get in 
the chariots. And it's like, Carlos, I don't know. Like, do you know that chariot? I've seen the yard sign in that chariot's front yard. Like, I don't want to get in that chariot. No, get in the chariot. Because that's, you know what happened? That's when the relationship happened. And Philip led him to the Lord. It's a hard thing to live out. And so I'm just trying to help people with that. Thanks for asking. Mm, And you are. Yes. (laughs) You are. Carlos, in this season of the podcast, we're calling it Raising Emotionally Strong and Worry-Free Kids. And would love to ask you to think back on a story or a memory from growing up that shaped you into who you are. Wow. Um, I would say that there was a season in my life, so I guess I was in eighth grade, where I joined the youth choir at my church. I went to a church in Decatur, Georgia, and it was, you know, it was a predominantly white church. Um, just this is the world I lived in. All my friends were white. Everything was. It's great church. I was in handbells. I played the B and C bells. Like I was like all in, right? Great friends. All my best friends are from there. But in choir, when I first went in, there was a young kid, we'll call him Billy, who would come up to me and grab his hand and smush it into my little afro. And every single week, old friends would laugh. And he's like, look, my handprint stays in Carlos's hair. Mm. It was traumatizing. So I'd like beg my mom not to let me go. It was just horrible. And it was probably like six months that that happened. And then my dad, I finally told my dad. I, I didn't tell him why I didn't want to go. I told my dad. And my dad just said, oh, Billy must be hurting. Mm. Like there's something in Billy that that must really be hurting him. That's all he said. It wasn't like deep, like this is what you need to do. But I just remember something in me shifted in that moment to where I didn't begin to see Billy as a bully. I began to see Billy as like somebody that was hurt. So the next time he tried to put his hand, I let him, I actually let him, I didn't fight him. And I just looked at him. I said, Billy, I'm sorry for whatever's hurting you. And I did it in my eighth grade way. And I just remember he didn't know what to do Mm. because it was weird that all those friends were looking at him. And then he stopped. He stopped doing that. And then. Wow. What a great response. He he literally just stopped. Yeah. He didn't stop. But here's the crazy thing. Probably 10 years ago now, Billy reached out to me on Facebook and apologized to me and just told me thank you for what I said to him. And I mean, I, I still have a screen capture of it. Wow. And, and all I said was, I'm sorry for whatever's hurting you. And I, I think, hindsight, I didn't, hadn't written the book, but I just saw him mm. and I let him see that I saw him, you know? And so there's people that are hurting us. Now, and so now that's turned into a the whole thing for me is like, I'm trying to find people that are trying to mm. hurt other people and, and just... Just see them, you know? Mm. So that, I think that's a story that really shaped me. Yeah. yeah. What a picture of the empathy that God placed inside of you so early yeah. on that yeah. has continued to mark who you are. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. You know, the, the empathy piece for me is I am very empathetic. Sometimes, you know, I maybe sit in it a little too much, mm. you know, but uh, I would much rather people feel that yeah. than feel me, you know, pointing my finger at them. That's a piece from my childhood. I mean, I've got a lot, but that's one that just jumped out when you asked me. Yeah. yeah. Well, we've already established that you have three amazing kids. I do. Will you say their ages? Yes, 20, 19, and 16. Okay. Yep. So thinking back over their growing up years, what are some things you would say that you think has helped them become more emotionally mm. strong or worry-free? Oh, well, coming to this house that I'm sitting oh. in right now, honestly, find somebody for your kid to talk mm. to. Just find somebody else Yes, you need to talk to them, but it's just so healthy for someone else. So I think that's one thing. Definitely them coming here. They love Hopetown. They go to yeah. camp with you guys in the summers. I think that's been helpful. I think something else that Heather and I did is we invited our kids 
into our story as a married couple, into some of our struggles, obviously, according to where they were in life appropriately, but our kids got to see us work through some things. Kids are more resilient than we give them credit for. So I think inviting them into some of our stuff, I've seen that pay off as they've gotten older. And I've seen it pay off even when they were younger. You know, I may have shared this story before on your podcast, but I guess when Sohela was a young teenager and we'd gone out on a date, Heather and I, and on the date, Heather had called us and was like, Lesai's throwing a fit, like he's something. So we were like, okay, we'll come home. So as we come home, they're all three sitting on the sofa, just smiling, just happy as can be. And we were like, I thought we were going to come home to care. Why did we leave our date? So he was like, oh, no, Losai and I, you know, we went in the room and I, I talked to him and I, I told him that he was making an agreement with the lie and that we just needed to pray that he break that agreement. And so we prayed that he broke the agreement and then we're, we're fine now. And I was like, so here's the thing. That's stuff that Heather and I never like taught them out loud, but mm-hmm. they would hear us talk about these things. They mm-hmm. would see us break agreements every day. They would. And so like our kids are watching. Our children's pastor, our church was named Jim. He'd always say the same thing. He's like, you know, kids, raising kids, it's a lot more about things that are caught than taught. Mm-hmm. You know, he always says that, right? And I just think that's the thing, right? What are they catching around us? You know, inviting them into maybe a little bit of of our story as a married couple, things that we were going through. I think that was helpful. Obviously, having them have someone to talk to, I think was really helpful. And we just, I think into the teenage years, when we began to pour into their friends, not only was that really beneficial for them, like, wow, like this is this is a lot bigger than just us, but it really, we became kind of the house to hang out at, you know, because mm. all their friends are always coming over, even when they're not there, their friends are there. And so I think that was really helpful too. Mm. Mm. Sissy, you know I've got three kids in college right now. Let me tell you, it was hard work getting them there. (laughs) (laughs) What an accomplishment, David. You and Connie are rock stars. I don't know about that, but guiding kids along their educational journey is not for the faint of heart. That's why I'm so excited to tell parents about Ethos, an online Christian school. Ethos School understands the responsibility we parents feel. Ethos partners with parents to shape their children as whole people, offering over 100 relational, high-quality online courses for 4th through 12th grade students. They have such a variety of classes, such as Biblical Greek, AP Physics, Computer Coding, Multiple World Languages, Dual Credit, and Advanced Placement Options. I love that Ethos School offers weekly time with a live teacher and classmates. Personal connection is so important for a child's educational experience. At Ethos, families can choose either a single course or a full course schedule when they enroll their child. Right now, Ethos School is offering to waive the $95 enrollment fee for our podcast listeners, plus a complimentary academic counseling session to plan your child's academic journey. Visit ethoschool.org slash RBG or click the link in our show notes to take advantage of the waived enrollment fee offer and to plan your child's educational journey with an Ethos academic counselor. Visit ethoschool.org slash RBG today. What is something, looking back at the early years of parenting, that you worried about that you wish you hadn't? Um, oh my gosh, everything. I literally worried about everything. So through my own therapy, I was able to fix that. Early years, I was just worried about keeping them alive, them not like walking into the street. But once they were, you know, maybe eight, nine, I think I, I did worry a lot about, I worried a lot about their faith. 
I worried a lot about where they were going to end up. I worried a lot about, are they going to believe this crazy story about, you know, about what their mom and dad believe? Or are they going to decide to believe something else? And they're still young adults. They can still end up believing all kinds of things that they want to believe in. But I think I spent too much time worrying about that. And I see where they're at now and there. It, it's not anywhere close to what I was worried about. So there was a lot of that stuff I was worried about. But also knowing that we can only do so much as parents. We're not creating these little robots. And it's not like a Lego set. These Lego sets have souls and they have their own feet and they're going to make their, their own brains. They're going to make their own mm. decisions. But we can only do as much as we can do. And then we can you know, just offer them to the Lord and allow them to uh, take what we've taught them and what my friends have taught them and walk that out. And so far... It's seemed to have worked. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So along those lines, if you had to think back to something you wish somebody had said to you as you were starting the parenting journey, mm. what do you wish someone had said? I wish somebody would have told me to have conversations looking in their eyes more often. Mm. I just feel like our kids are growing up seeing the back of phones mm-hmm. as opposed to like our eyes. I wish somebody, I mean, they would have had to have been a prophet at the time, but would have just said like, it's just so important that you connect to their souls. Mm-hmm. I feel like I accidentally did that, did it sometimes on purpose, but man, like if there was something that I wish someone would have told me that was really important was less about capturing moments and more about like really being in those moments with mm-hmm. them. I think it's really important. So, mm-hmm. you know. I love that. Yeah. Me too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Carlos, when you look around you, what do you see other parents and and even just other humans struggling with the most? A loneliness. Mm. Loneliness. We are doing research for my next, next book. Whoa. I know, already on, right? Like I I, I literally have, this book comes out January 24th. I start writing the 25th. (laughs) It's like, I'm ready. But doing research for that book, I read a book called The Lonely Century. Mm. And it talks about how we are the most connected we have ever been in the history of humanity, but literally the loneliest we have ever been. And all this data to show it. I mean, there's even like, I think it's in Japan, the number one demographic of people going to prison are senior women. Senior citizens, they, they go wow. shoplifting. They do these things because they're lonely and they know in jail, they will have a roommate and they will have friends. <laughs> and so there's things like that happening as connected as we are, we're becoming increasingly, increasingly disconnected. Mm. And so I think that's what I see people struggling with. I mean, there's really quick fixes to that. As great as these phones are, as much good as they've done, I spend less time on this now than I ever have Mm. because I just really treasure eye to eye, like I talked Mm -hmm. about in the last answer, Mm -hmm. conversations. And just people are lonely. They're just lonely. Like I'm, Mm. I have aging parents. I FaceTime my mom every day now, like Mm -hmm. every day. And I'm, I've never told her that. Like, it's not something that like, I'm like, I'm going to FaceTime you every day, but she's lonely. People are battling this epidemic of loneliness. And so I'm going to do my best in the next book to address that. Mm, <laughs> yeah. I love that. Well, in the midst of loneliness, in the midst of emotions that we're talking about in our offices, you're yeah. talking about every day. One of the things that I think is foundational is for us is helping kids, helping grownups arm themselves with truth, having mm. truth that they can go back to. Yeah. What would you say is a truth that has helped you worry less as a person, as a parent, both places? Yeah. For me, it always has to go back to any 
lie that I believe is counteracted by a truth in scripture. Hmm. I've got this little book by a man named Charles Caps that I carry in my backpack. I used to carry it in my pocket because I needed it so bad, but it was called God's Creative Power in You. It's a little pamphlet, 99 cents on Amazon. And it had truths to overcome lies that we deal with every single day. So when it came to worry, especially because that was my lie, the lies that I was battling is worry. It literally said, take this capsule three times a day for to lessen your worry, right? It was so cheesy. I think it was written in like 1930s. Um, <laughs> but I would, I would read it every day. And it was like, this is what it went. It went from like, I was like, I'm so worried. I'm so overwhelmed. I'm so sad. I'm so all these things that I am, right? And the little pamphlet said, no, I am the body of Christ and Satan has no power over me for I overcome evil with good. And I would say it out loud. I am of God and have overcome him. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I will fear no evil for you are with me, Lord. Your word and your spirit, they comfort me. I am far from oppression. Fear does not come near me. No weapon formed against me shall prosper for my righteousness is of the Lord. And suddenly, because I'm reading these little scriptures, I am like just inundated with truth constantly. And so for me, gosh, the truth always comes from the word of God. So like any struggle I'm going through, I can, you know, listen to my podcast, your podcast, listen to sermons, read books. All those things are great, but you got to go back to the word of God. That is the the fundamental truth. And that's where I battle all of the lies, especially of worry and all those things. I have to just find the truth, counteract those things. And I read them out loud. Mm, yeah. I love that. Yeah. That's awesome. So. And there's one more reason why we are all kinds of excited for people to hear your voice, oh, brother. Yeah. Thanks, man. Yes, you know? for sure. Yeah. I was thinking when you were telling that story a little bit earlier and you said your hope is to educate with a lot of grace, yeah. grace filled. And I think, my goodness, you are. Oh, you are. Thank you. And it is a gift that you would bring that grace-filled education to our podcast today mm. and we just get to sit in conversation with you it's so good oh, it's we so need a rich. trade can you come on my podcast yes, yes we will anytime any okay. chance to hang out with you yeah i'm in you've both been on it but i want you together oh that yeah. we fun. will yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah 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 we Love will that. Yeah, be cool we're gonna throw one more question we like to end okay with something fun and food related we've all talked oh. about our beloved ladybird taco well, yes. i still remember talking about this with heather Oh, really? Too. Mm-hmm. She had some great answers. Yes, she did. Yeah. Did she really? Well, yeah. she's probably going to have way better than mine. So. Her no. wife is a cook. She, she is quite she a cook. Is she is so gifted in that space. Oh, I know. That's she's why so it's so hard for me to talk spaces. about restaurants in Nashville because yeah. I'm like, oh, I'd rather eat at my house. Like, it's so good. <laughs> you know. Yes. Well, you can choose that for this, oh, okay. for okay, this okay, question. Yeah. So, two part queso or guac, and then what's your favorite taco? Okay. Um, guac, 100%, only because queso is not. Real queso. <laughs> if you if you go to Mexico and you say I want some queso, <laughs> they will bring you a block of cheese. Mm. But in America, they melt it and put weird stuff in it. And so, like, I'm just <laughs> I'm such an anti queso guy. Oh, uh, it's more it's more of like a snooty thing. We will walk with you yeah, rather than stand on. Yes, opinions. yes. There you go. Yeah. There we go. Thank. What a great example of walking with someone instead of staying on an issue. And here I am standing on the issue of, <laughs> of queso is not real. So guac 100. percent And then favorite taco. I mean, it's probably going to be a carne asada taco. Like, mm. like I just, and here's the thing, if you're in Nashville and you go down Nolensville to any of the Mexican grocery stores, you can go and, and say, quiero carne asada preparada. And if you say that, what they do is they give you your carne asada already seasoned in a bag with everything, the way they season it. Wow. And then when you, when you cook it, 
it is it's exactly what you want to put in the taco. Wow. So you can get it carne asada. Yes. Yeah, so if you say carne asada preparada, okay, it, it kind of rhymes, just like BC food. Yeah. yeah. Preparada, prepared. Uh-huh. Then they will say, okay, and then they'll take the carne asada steak and then they'll soak it in this thing and they'll give it to you. Okay, that's what I like. Carne asada taco. How to human and how to get really good Mexican food. And how to get really good Mexican food. That's how you do it. I love it. Yes. Carlos, thank you. (sighs) I hope you know how much we value you as a person, your voice, your friendship. Thank you. I love you both. We love you very much. Deeply. And Heather and the kids. Yes, absolutely. Give them all a hug for us. They were were jealous that I was coming without them. (laughs) We love them. It's our joy to bring the experience and insight we gain through our work beyond the walls of the Daystar House. If you enjoyed this conversation, please share it with your friends. And don't forget to click the follow button in your favorite podcast app so you never miss an episode. To learn more about our parenting resources or to see if we're coming to a city near you, visit our website at RaisingBoysAndGirls.com. Join us next time for more help and hope as you continue your journey of raising boys and girls.